I'm going to be talking to you today about Jesus coming and when I think he's coming or when he could come. I don't know. But tonight will be fine with me, bless the Lord. But uh, here is a book that I'm going to be reading out of, and it's called End of Days by Pincus Winston. I bought it at a, uh, an Orthodox bookstore in the old city of Jerusalem many years ago. I was at one of our prayer cabins in March of 2011, and the Lord spoke to me about having this book. And he said, <clears throat> I caused you to pick up this book and in its pages to take a deep look, separating sticks from hay. I taught you that way so that you could know what I want you to know. For in the end of days, you are to see and know and to teach others. So I have a particular call on my life. I explained last night, I won't today, of when he called me his friend. And uh, it was so that I would know what's in the future and help others to know what's in the future. So there's anointing on my life uh, to see and know that. Different people are anointed for different things. And so um, the end of days, what does that mean? You will see it in the King James Bible and maybe some of the other translations newer called the latter days. But the term in the Hebrew is end of days. And it's not just named that to show latter days. It's named that to show what the Hebrews know about uh, the end of days. One of the scriptures that you can see it in is Daniel chapter 10 and verse, verses 12 through 14. Daniel was seeking God. He saw things come to pass, prophetic things. And he prayed to God about them and God sent an angel. And the angel spoke to Daniel, verse 12. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood the one in 20, me one in 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days? For yet the vision is for many days. He was given a vision actually about what's not even come yet, which will be the great tribulation time and then Jesus' second coming. So the end of days is the Hebrew here translated latter days. Now show that chart, that 1,000 years is a day chart. This is what uh, the Bible means when it talks about the end of days. Moses was caught up to heaven. He didn't just sit on a mountaintop for 40 days and 40 nights and then another 40 days and 40 nights. He was caught up to heaven where he saw the tabernacle, the pattern for it. And he was told an oral law or an oral word. If he wrote down everything in a book that he was told, you couldn't even carry it around. They were told not to eat blood, but he was told how to uh, slaughter animals so that they wouldn't have any blood in them. Well, you don't want to have to read through that on your daily Bible readings. So there were a lot of things that he was told from the oral law that began with Moses, and he taught it to Joshua, and Joshua taught it to the next and the next. Now, here is one of the things he was told. This is in the Talmud, uh, Sanhedrin 97b. He was told that God handed to Adam a six-day work week because God worked six days and rested on the seven. Adam's six-day work week is to be a thousand years as a day, a day is a thousand years. He's to see what he can do with earth like what God did. Now, Adam was to have dominion. He was to have dominion over the powers of the air, all dominion. But he got tricked in the garden. He was supposed to guard the garden you don't guard something that there is. God said, you guard the garden. There was something to keep out of that garden, but he didn't keep it out. So Satan came in, and Satan then got the authority. It was handed to him by Adam over the powers of the air, etc., etc., for the whole six days. That's Adam's lease. Why are these things going on when Adam's lease is over? It's over for the devil. So these are how the years were divided up. A thousand years is a day. The first two days are the days of chaos. Every man did according to his own 
ideas. But then God sent the Torah. He sent the written word at Mount Sinai. So the next 2,000 years are the days of Torah. Then Moses was told at the end of the fourth day, just like the light came on the fourth day of creation, at the end of fourth day, Messiah will come. And then you will have 2,000 uh, years of the end of days. Those are the beginning of days. Here are the end of days. These 2,000 years were to be the Messiahs. We call them, we know, uh, it, there's a footnote to Sanhedrin 97b, a footnote that says, he did not come because we were not ready. But we know that he did come. And he did come right in time. And people were waiting for him and looking for him. Anna in the temple, Simon in the temple, Joseph of Arimathea. They are, there's a group of people recognized in the Bible as those waiting for the consolation to come of Israel. And so they were waiting and he did come. And they, there were people waiting and they received him. Uh, of course, we know that the nation rejected it, so we went on into the end of days, which you could call the church age. And that's the time we've been here having the Messiah, the body of the Messiah on the earth. At the end of these six days, there will come a seventh day. And uh, that seventh day, well, first there's a seven-year period, which is a week of years. We call it the Great Tribulation. Jesus called it the Great Tribulation in Matthew 24. The Great Tribulation period, that's a one week of years. We'll explain that a little bit more later. We'll be in heaven at the end of... We'll be in heaven. Bless the Lord. Now. Okay, here we go. Bless God. Um, Peter. I'll leave that, up, that chart up there. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he said, this is the end of days. Well, he was at the beginning of the end of days. Peter was. We are at the end of the end of days. We are right at the end of that time. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Now, where are we? That's where we are. Um, the whole thing is 6,000 years. And some people have a trouble. They get it all count out. But this man says there is a discrepancy in the way Westerners count this, a discrepancy of years. And so this man, well, I won't tell you that yet, but there's a discrepancy. And it's all going to come out all right, and we're pretty close to the time where he's coming. Now, God does everything by a calendar, a Hebrew calendar, and... Um, so if you will, no, let's, let's turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, okay. God has trusted the Jews with his word. He didn't trust the church with his word. We came along too late. Nobody would have had the, had the word for a long time, but we came along and Americans, I'm talking Americans, not Christians, Americans. Americans would have edited the word. There's a new, it's not a translation. I like it when they're translations. When they have a group of people and they go back to the original scriptures and they have like a board or a group that's going to test each other. And one will say this and one will say that. When you find a paraphrase of the Bible or you find one that one man did, Huh? Or denomination. Or denomination. Uh, everything's pure from God, but when it comes through the pipe, it'll pick up a little bit of the pipe. There is a new, people are calling it translation, and it's really got some good points in it I really like. And then I ran over there in the end part and found out the guy believes like Oregon, that in the book of Revelation, everything is just a, you know, it just symbolizes something. There's not really white horses. Yes, there are really white horses. So I can't even, even though I like some parts of that, I can't recommend it to anybody. So, um, but if you're smart enough as a cow, you could read it, an old cow. And uh, that is <laughs> what Brother Hagen taught us, that in his childhood days and in my childhood days, people had their house in front and they had a barn in the back and they had a milk cow. I'm talking Oklahoma and Texas. I don't know what they did up here, but that's what we did down there. 
And he said, you know, we would throw a bale of hay out to that old cow. And that old cow would eat the good hay, and it had some sticks in it, and it'd just spit them out. He said, just be having the sense of a cow. Eat the hay and leave the sticks. So that's what God was telling me when he brought me this book. He said, I'll read you again what he said to me, how he said to me about it. I cause you to pick up this book and in its pages to take a deep look, separating sticks from hay. I taught you that way so that you could know what I want you to know, for in the end of days you are to see and know and to teach others. So in reading this, I have spit out some sticks, you know, and then others... I'm in the process of deciding whether it's hay or sticks. So, uh, bless the Lord. We'll go now to Exodus chapter 12. Thank you, Father. And uh, here, he, they're coming out of Egypt, where they have been slaves. And you know the Passover. You probably saw the Ten Commandments. And uh, even if you didn't read the Bible, bless the Lord. So, here we have a uh, high guys. <laughs> so... Uh, Exodus chapter 12, this month, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take a lamb according to a house, a lamb for a house. Verse 6, keep it till the 14th day, and then you're going to strike the blood on the doorposts. So this is the first Pesach or Passover. Now, it says, this month shall be the beginning of months to you. It's in the spring. It's in a month called, in the Bible, the only one called by name in the Bible. The others are all numbered, just known by numbers, called Aviv or spring. And if you know a, a Jewish lady named Aviva, her name is spring. So this month has to be in spring and it is the beginning of months. God's telling them, I'm going to institute, institute a new year for you. They already have a year. They have a civil year that they've kept for centuries. And the civil year is beginning with the head of the year, Rosh, which means head. Shana is year. Rosh Hashanah is head of the year. And that civil year always began in the fall. They do all their business by it. And it counts from the day of creation. It counts from the time when Adam was created. Now, in the spring, they're coming out of Egypt, and he said, you're going to keep another new year. You're going to have two new years. That's not hard. We in our ministry have a fiscal year that begins in July. And, of course, then you have the first of the year, which is January. But here he's giving them another new year's. He's instituting a calendar, and this calendar is called the sacred calendar. This is called, and turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23, where it's all lined out how to keep it. This is uh, the calendar of redemption, the history of redemption. Uh, that's called that by David Barron. Uh, it is called by the numerical Bible, the great calendar of prophecy. Bless the Lord. God invented time. Seven is his favorite number. He has seven appointed seasons, moeds, and uh, he has seven days in a week. He has uh, seven years go into a, a week of years. So seven marks time. Bless the Lord. Now, starting with chapter 23, these appointed times are called moeds. That means an appointed date. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, the word concerning is in italics, it's not there. And the word feast is not there. The word is moed, and it means appointed time. So he was to speak unto the children of Israel and say, The moeds of Jehovah, here they are. These shall be proclaimed my moeds. My dates I circle on the calendar. And the first one he gives to them is the Shabbat. The week, seven days. And then they're going to have the Sabbath. Then in verse 4. These are the moeds of Jehovah. Holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month at evening is the Lord's Passover. Or Pesach. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. 
Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Verse um, 10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, you shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. So would you put up the charts? No, no, let's go on down and do another one. Verse 15. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, that's during the Sabbath during the Passover week, you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the firstfruits, seven Sabbaths, that's seven weeks, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, that's going to be seven times seven weeks is 49. You add one more and you're going to get 50. And you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Uh, now show the feasts. These are the feasts which are the calendar of redemption. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. No, take them down a minute. You see that I, I waver around all the time. Bless the Lord. This is from David Barron. And David Barron is a man who was born in 1855 in Russia, trained in the best rabbinical schools. And, um, oh, trained so well. He knows the scriptures and the language. But then he found Jesus to be the Messiah. And what a man and what things he writes. This book is Types, Psalms, and Prophecies, which he goes into scriptures and explains them. Now this calendar, the sacred calendar of the history of redemption, put it up again. This is God's sacred calendar of the history of redemption. Uh, Israel's feasts represent the course of time, this earth's time from creation to the final end. The lamb slain Passover commences it. And the eighth day of the happy feast of tabernacles is its close. So here you're going to see earth time. And how God is going to redeem us. And he's got a calendar by which he does it. Anything he's ever done to redeem you, he did on a date on the calendar. So we have the spring moeds. These are fulfilled the autumn moeds are not fulfilled. He fulfilled the first four at his first coming. He will fulfill the last three at his second coming. Spring moeds, Passover. Of course, you know Jesus is the Passover lamb. Then they were to be eating unleavened bread for seven days. Leaven is a type of sin. Where you get spring cleaning is from the Jewish housewives. They had to go throughout their house and they had to get all of the yeast out of their house. You have to get all the crumbs of everything out of there. So that is spring house cleaning. Passover, feast of unleavened bread. Then first fruits, that's when it told you the day after the Sabbath during that week. These are all the first three are in one week. Then you take the barley harvest. Somebody's gone out. The rabbis have gone out. They've marked off a little part of the barley. Every one of these is a harvest feast. Oh, that's filled with symbolism. We're a harvest. The Jews are a harvest. The nations are a harvest. So they have to go out and they have to feel and see that the barley's just ripe. And they, they cut out a sheaf of it. And then they take it up and they offer it before the priest. Now that's the first fruits. In the New Testament, that is a type of resurrection. And, of course, Jesus was resurrected during that Passover week. And we are told in the New Testament that he is the firstfruits of resurrection. Colossians 1.18, Revelation 1.5, 1 Corinthians 15.20, and, and many places. He is the first to be resurrected. So then, after those first three from Passover, you're going to count 50, you're going to count seven times seven, that's 49 days. Then you're going to go on over and you're going to have Pentecost. Now, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this with your own eyes and make it real to you that God does everything on his circle dates. 
You remember Jesus walked 40 days. We know he walked 40 days on the earth. Then he was ascended and he told the apostles, don't leave town until the promise of the Spirit come. All his disciples, apostles and disciples. And so they went to the upper room, the same upper room where they'd had the last supper. And there they are waiting in John Mark's mother's house. And they're in this big upper room. And they've been there for 10 days. Now, they're all in one accord, but it wasn't their getting into one accord that allowed God to send the Holy Ghost. He's waiting for the next date on the calendar. He moves by the calendar. They were in one accord because he got them in one accord. And believe you me, the Holy Ghost is going to get the church glorious. Hallelujah. He's going to do it. Moses built the tabernacle and got the glory. Solomon built the temple and the glory moved in and the Holy Ghost is building us and he's not going to be the first one to fail. So bless the Lord, he will have us ready. And you might expect a lot of changes coming up pretty quick in you. You'd probably be real surprised when you look at your husband and, oh, I don't know, the man is glorious. Bless the Lord. But here we come to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They're waiting for the day on the calendar. They're waiting for that fourth feast date to be fulfilled. When they got so filled with the Holy Ghost, that upper room couldn't hold them. They went out on the southern steps of the temple, and there they were speaking with tongues and glorifying God. We know where it was because 3,000 people got saved and baptized. The only place there's that much water is the mikvahs at the temple mount where people would dip so they could go up into the mount. So we know where that happened. We've preached there, and Mac and Lynn and all of us have been there and talked about what a glorious day when Peter said, as he said in the last days, end of days, the Spirit will be poured out, and the Spirit was poured out. Now, um, bless the Lord, hallelujah. I want to just make a tiny little thing here. Uh, they heard them speaking in other tongues. And uh, the Bible says, it, Brother Hagin once said to me privately, it doesn't say they spoke with other tongues and everybody heard them from all the countries of the known world. It says they heard them. They heard them in their own language. Bless the Lord. Now, I'm going to go back to, uh, let's read Genesis 12, 3. 12, 1. And go down to 12.3. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that curse thee. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In the nation of Israel, all the other nations of the world are going to be blessed. They're only going to be blessed during the millennium when Israel comes into its blessings. If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. Now, actually, this last line in the Hebrew, it says, and in thee shall all families of the earth bless themselves. So it's up to the nation. If the nation wants to bless Israel, they can be blessed. If they want to curse Israel, they'll be cursed. And right now, you're seeing a real dividing line, everything coming from that. Uh, I'm going to read to you a statement at the bottom of this page four. When God bound up the future of all nations in the history of Abraham and his seed, he made that history prophetic. And each event and everything became a bud that would ripen into a fruit. Hallelujah. Jewish history is supernatural. Jewish history is supernatural. The Jews scattering, the Jews coming home, Second World War, supernatural. The future of all nations is bound up in the history of Abraham and his seed. Bless the Lord. Now I want to look at another division that God sees uh, of years and turn to Leviticus chapter 25. He divided time in sevens. Not only do we have seven days in a week, 
He takes the years themselves and puts them into seven-year packages, seven years measure. And it's called a week of years. You've heard people talk about Daniel's 70th week. You can go online, 3BI, Billy Brim Bible Institute, and hear me teach on the book of Daniel. That 70th week hasn't come, but it's coming in the future. It's a week of years, seven years, prophetic future. So at, on Leviticus 25, verse 8, Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee 49 years, and then you'll have the trumpet of Jubilee, and then you'll add a 50th year. So the Jews had these increments of seven years, and they're a cycle of seven years. They are a week of seven years. The seventh year is a Shemitah year. It's a year of Sabbath. You let the land rest. You don't plant, you don't sow on that seventh year. You let the land have a Sabbath to God. So it's six years plus one, which is called a Shemitah year. So I want to show you the cycles of the Shemitah years that are now in effect, if you'll show that. We're in the bottom one here. Show you right where you are in a Shemitah cycle. You had the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth years. When I gave that uh, prophecy, and well, I haven't read it yet, but two years ago, God made me a prophecy. I'll read to you in a minute. But we are here, September 6th and 7th, 2021. We entered into the seventh year, the Shemitah year. It will be over September 26, 2022. Now I'm going to read you a prophecy that I got. uh, If I found it, I'm sure I do have it here. Yep. 9-19-19. I was at Walk on the Water Faith Church, Osage Beach, Missouri. I was preaching at Brother Allison's that night. It was a series of meetings he had with different speakers. And it was my night. And that day when I was getting ready for it, the Lord said, the crowd is going to be sparse tonight, and that's the way I want it. I thought, oh, goody. We're going to get something like Brother Hagen got in Rockwell, Texas. And uh, he told me what to preach. He said, don't preach long, but preach on how working with God is fellowship. When it speaks of fellowship in 1 John, it speaks of uh, that word fellowship. Koinonia means uh, partners and partakers. We are partners and partakers with God in his business. We do business with him, and that's prayer. And he said, uh, John said, we touched him, we, 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 we handled him, we heard him, we saw him. And he left us a message so that we could have fellowship with him. And the message so that you can have fellowship with God is this. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. You can't fellowship with God and work with God and pray for anybody to get well if you think God gave them the cancer. But cancer is dark. So it can't be from God. For you to work with God, you have got to know he's light. And in him is no darkness at all. Bless the Lord. So, he said, don't preach long. Preach that. And when you get there, uh, pray. So I obeyed him. Uh, Lynn Mink had a wonderful song in the spirit. And then this is the word that came through me. Now this came 9-19-21. And and, and while I start to get it, when you're given a word, you hear this a little part of it. And you give that. And then by faith you go on. And I saw that it began 2020. But the Lord said to me, I'm only saying that because that's how they look at it. This is going to begin when I see the new year. And he actually changed it over and gave it like that. 2020 will be a year of transition. It will begin with the beginning of the year as I see it on Rosh Hashanah. That year will be a year that's transitioned on to 2021. In 2021, all things will have begun, begun to end, begun to change, to move, to rearrange. Now this year, I must have you. I must have my body in fellowship unbroken fellowship. So prepare for it to begin, the transition year in 2020. 
I'll provide all you need to fulfill my will. 2020 was the best year financially we have ever had by exponential amounts. It's happening all across the body of Christ, brother. I'll provide, all, work with me, yeah, thank God. I'll provide all you need to fulfill my will. Work with me in fellowship and prayer for yourself, yes, but beyond yourself, and know that it will start the transition year on Rosh Hashanah 2020. And 2021 Rosh Hashanah is a big change. Now, put that chart back up here. I received that word at the end of the fourth year, beginning in the fifth year. 29, 9, 29, 19, it would be 10 days. Then we got 2020. Now we're over here to the second time when he said there'd be a big change. 2021. I don't have time to go into detail about this, but Brother Allison invited me to come to his church. You can see it, it's online. Walk on the Water Faith Church. I mean, you got to have faith to name your church that. Walk on the Water Faith Church, Osage Beach. Dr. Allison's a wonderful man of God. Trained up in Baptist seminaries, Baptist colleges, but full of the Holy Ghost. And he's like one of those I can go to his church and go way out there. So he said, I can't do that every place. But you'd be surprised how nice I am some places. But... He, uh, when we came to 2021, because he'd had that prophecy at his church, he said, you got to come back. we got to seek the Lord and see what he means. And so I went back. And Saturday night here, I had Max up here. I don't have time to explain who all he is, uh, who he is and what's happening with him. But uh, Max came too. He drove all the way. And we sought the Lord. What did you mean big going to happen? And so through a marvelous gift that's been operating since November 2020, after the elections, it started just after the elections, Max is doing like they heard on Acts chapter 2. He hears me speak in Arabic, and then the Lord gives us phrases, and then he gives us uh, scriptures, and we look them up, and it matches what he just said. So I can only tell you this, what we've heard in tongues and interpretation since that time we started seeking him. We heard that it means he's coming soon. We heard that it means he's preparing us. We heard that it means uh, the tribulation period is not far away, but we will be safe and we will not be here. We heard that. And then last Wednesday, whoa, he spoke to us of a soon coming war, Ezekiel 38 and 39. And he named who would be taking parts in that war, and he spelled out a word. He, he named, um, now this is coming tongues and interpretation. He named Russia, Persia. Of course, we know that from the Bible. And then he named, he spelled out a word. Uh, I don't know if I brought that. But do you remember how it was spelled? I don't know. Let's guess at it. K-H-O-O-N-E. Or K-H-O-N-G-G-U-A. He named it as being in on the war. And uh, Hannah was sitting on the front row. And Hannah looked it up. Like, what's she doing right now? She got her little, you know that young group? They just, <laughs> up, out comes, and they, they know anything in an instant. So uh, she's, oh, her eyes got big. She got big blue eyes anyway. Her eyes got like that. And she, uh, I had her come up and tell me what it said. She said, it's China. It's the name the Chinese call China. We call it China, but they call it that. And, uh, huh? Oh, yeah. No, that's Khorasan. Before he had spoken to us of Khorasan being headquarters for the ISIS. That was another day he gave us another word, Khorasan. Oh, my goodness. I could tell you so many super things are natural. If we're ever going to have the supernatural, folks, this has got to be it. Don't you be one of those, Brother Hagin, prophesied are going to be standing on the outside and criticizing. You be one of those that's right on the inside saying, hey, if God did this once, he'll do it again. Brother Hagin, in the beginning of his book, Plans, Purpose, and Pursuit, he says things that happen only rarely will begin to happen almost commonplace. So in Acts chapter 2, they heard speaking tongues. Now we're hearing it often. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So that's what he has said to us that is coming about. He has said to us what to look for. And uh, hallelujah, his return. Now I want to uh, talk to you a little bit more about the Shemitah cycles and what this man sees. Hallelujah. First, he's going to break a Jewish kind of an unspoken law. You can't talk about when the Messiah comes. But then he quotes a bunch of rabbis from way, way back there, sages. And here's what the Zohar said in 1380. It's not God's will that the date of Messiah, Messiah's arrival be revealed to man. But when the date draws near, even children will be able to make the calculation. Hallelujah. And another one, Malbim said... Now, in 1809, now that the time is clearly approaching, we cannot help but notice and interpret the signs all around us. So there are signs all around us of his soon return. There is, <coughs> excuse me, there is a Shemitah cycle, he says in this book, and I know that's what they believe. There is a Shemitah cycle at the end of which the Messiah will come. So put those, the Shemitah years back up there. All right? So at the end of some Shemitah cycle, they see that he's going to come. His second coming is in two parts. The first of the seven years, we're going to be caught up in the rapture of the church. The last, and don't you let anybody talk you out of it. Come and hear Pastor Mac preach on it. I command you to. Now, at the end of the seven years... He's going to come put his feet down, according to Zechariah, on the Mount of Olives. And that's what the Jews read. They don't read the New Testament, but they read Zechariah. And they say that when he puts his feet down, in, um, it will be in, in Zechariah chapter 12 and 14, it will be at the end of a Shemitah cycle. We will have left at the beginning of a Shemitah, no, at the end of a Shemitah cycle. Let me go right back. We will be leaving at the beginning of the seventh year. And they will be having him come. And we'll be on white horses returning with him at the end of the seventh year. So now. Hallelujah. According to his calculation for the Jews. This is not what I'm preaching. This is not what I believe. But this is what I showed Pastor Mac. I wasn't going to tell you this, and he dared me to. <laughs> you have to do a dare. I mean, you cannot let that go by. <laughs> he, he believes that um, they will have the Messiah come and their kingdom to be the earthly kingdom. He's going to build an earthly kingdom in 2030. That he will be, and that will be during the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the happy feast that will be fulfilled when Jesus puts his feet on the ground. And then, you know, uh, several things have to take place. But then he will set up his earthly kingdom. There will be great joy. The devil will be locked away for a thousand years. The false prophet will have gone to the, and the Antichrist, they will have gone to the pit. Oh, my Exciting times are just ahead. We're already praying in them. When we pray and it gets interpreted, we see that we're praying in those times. God needs you praying. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, he is going to talk here about uh, what's happening at the end of days. The, the Jews call the devil Sitra Akra. S-I-T-R-A. That's one word. Akra. A-C-H-R-A. It means the other side. You know how Moses drew a line in the sand? He said, who's on the Lord's side? Come over here. So the other side, you don't want to be on. That's the other side is the Sitra Akra. Now, remember what the man said, Jewish history is prophetic. So Jesus has said they're all coming home and they will know a final redemption and they will know a restoration. So they are looking always to this final uh, redemption and restoration. Uh, okay, page 107. It, 
You remember Brother Halverson? How many of you remember him? One night, God took him out of his body and over the earth. And the first thing he saw was a group of people marching into God. And he wanted to stay with them. He said, it was the first time my body didn't hold me back from worship. I just wanted to go with them. But I heard the sound of war. And I looked to the side, and there were warring angels. And the Lord said, go with them. He said, I didn't want to go with them. I wanted to stay with the ones marching into God. You know his little Norwegian accent. But he went over with the warring angels, and he took them all over the earth where the greatest battles were taking place. I know he went over Indonesia. He named some of the places he went over. But the greatest battle in all the earth was over Jerusalem. And he went there. And then that's what this man is talking about. The Satan who destroys, the adversary of Israel. His main power is in the gates of Jerusalem. And when the land lies desolate. It was like that for thousands of years. But the times of the Gentiles began to be over. And God started bringing the Jews home just like he said he would. But when it's in the hands of the devil, this man writes, it delays the connection between Jerusalem below and Jerusalem above. I found when I first started going to Israel, they know a whole lot more about the Jerusalem above than we do, even though it's our home. They recognize it all the time. Yerushalayim Shema Allah, the Jerusalem that's above, and then the Jerusalem that's below. What he is trying to do, this man says, is stop the connection. And to keep the Shekhinah from coming as it should, on which the entire redemption depends. When it comes to regaining and settling Eretz Israel, the land, it's going to be a battle. A spiritual battle, a physical battle, an actual battle. Eretz Israel, the land, and Jerusalem represents the key to the final redemption. And as such, it spells the end of the Sitra Akra's existence. Therefore, he will invoke whatever abilities he has to prevent the return of the entire Jewish nation to the borders of the land of our fathers. Think about the Holocaust. God, I mean the devil, he just thinks if I kill them all, that'll stop God's word from coming to pass. God's word has said they're coming home. He just thinks he's, he's always going after them to kill them. The Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, all kinds of things. Because he's fighting for his existence and he's doing it today. When they line up for that Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, where are they coming down to? Israel. But they're going to be surprised. Hailstones are going to hit them right in the head. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. But the war is going to come. It's not going to be long. I could prove to you from uh, Isaiah 17. It'll be about 24 hours. That's it. It doesn't take God long. So, again, I will say. Now, Brother Hagen, one day, he called me in 1988. He wanted me to preach a camp meeting. And uh, he said, I, I know the things you're preaching are too th true. I'm not anointed to teach them, but I want you to teach a camp meeting. And then he got up on his desk, and he, he looked me straight in the eyes like fire. He said, Jesus is coming, and Satan is going to do everything in his power to stop him. So, that's what's going on right now. You think the world's crazy? It's Satan. You don't need to blame the Democrats. You don't need to blame this and that one. It's Satan and he's working down through people, even probably a few Republicans. Now, just don't let it be you. Don't be fear-mongering. Don't be fear-mongering. Don't be putting out fear via the internet, social media. Brother Hagin said, I'd rather be a dope peddler than a doubt peddler. Dear God, every time he talks to us, he says, fear not. Trust in me. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, but you don't know. No, praise God. So he says here, it spells the end of the Sitra across existence, and therefore he will invoke whatever abilities he has to prevent the return of the entire Jewish nation to the borders of the land of our fathers. However... Return to her borders we must, and by a certain fixed date. 
It was built into the master plan for creation long before there was even a Jewish people. But what of the secret cross and his fight for existence? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Uh, he'll do everything he can to foil the plan. The Sitra Cross very existence depends upon his holding off the final redemption. Hallelujah. The world as we know it already destined to undergo serious physical and spiritual transformation the last 210 years in advance of the year 6000. So I think that you probably could figure it out. You'd see that the church has undergone a lot of change in the last 210 years, and he stepped up the change. That's what that word was all about. He has stepped up the change. Now, we're looking not far away. If you put that chart back up again, we didn't go on September 6th and 7th. I don't know. But maybe we'll go on September 21st and 28th. Maybe we'll go, here, here's why, here's why I never thought we would go on 6th and 7th. Because we're not going to go at the beginning of a, of a seven-year cycle. We're going to go at the end of a seven-year cycle. So, this could be, I'm not saying this is, do not throw tomatoes. <laughs> what if? Just what if? This were the year to get you finally ready. And we'd go the next Rosh Hashanah. If we don't, it'll be seven more years. Because for sure, for sure, he's not going to do anything apart from those dates and from that seven-year cycle. Now, we're looking for, and I'm going to close with this phone message right here that I just got today from Pastor Tim Henderson. Now, I want to tell you about Tim Henderson uh, okay, got it. Lynn, get, can you grab a microphone real quick? We got about five minutes here. Tell what happened, what you did down at Prayer Mountain. Was it last year? It was last year. You don't know how you called out Mr. Henderson? And you didn't know Mr. Henderson? You remember that, don't you, Lynn? Barely she remembers. Okay. I'll fill in what part. Because she okay, was now off tell in the me spirit. What I tell me she what was I way off in the spirit. I mean caught uh, away. Okay. So Billy has a meeting every year in Branson, Missouri. Okay. So it was my turn to preach. I was up. I, I don't think I was preaching yet. No, no. You were in the Holy Ghost. Okay. And so I, I started praying for in this meeting for this Mr. Henderson. And finally, I'm like, Mr. Henderson. I said... Is Mr. Henderson here? I'd never heard of Mr. Henderson. Didn't know a Mr. Henderson. And he... So I said, that's Tim Henderson. Tim Henderson is a man. He's a okay, pastor. Okay, so he's in the meeting. Yeah, he's sitting right there. Sitting in the meeting. I don't know what he thought when I was praying for him. Yeah, he's sitting right behind me. Behind you? Uh-huh. I thought you pointed back here. No, no, no. He's not here right now. No, he's no, he isn't. Morning. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean... Because God, might be. <laughs> I'm telling you what God does with him. He translates him. Tim Henderson is a man that lives in the spirit. Tim Henderson was a man who was the CEO of huge corporations. If I told you one of them, you'd know it for sure. And then God called him to preach. Had a wonderful wife. God, he's, a, he's always at every, he's a graduate of Yale, but he comes to every one of our three BIN classes. He's always sitting there because he said, that's the best school I ever was in, and he advertises it for everyone. We have the three BI schools, Billy Brim Bible Institute. Tim has lots of experiences of visions, and he has lots of experiences of visions of the rapture. I have him come up when we're teaching on it and tell about what he saw. So Tim is sitting there. I know who Tim is. I know what, and, 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 and Lynn calls him. I had to get him up there. Then she has a word for him. He did not know it, but his dearly beloved wife, not long after that, she started talking about changes in his life and things that were going to happen, changes. And his dearly beloved wife, they went to bed. He kissed her goodnight, and the next morning she was in heaven. Dr. Larry Allison and his wife, their son, on New Year's Eve, he went to sleep. They had handed the church over to him. He was the pastor. On New Year's Day, he was, went in heaven. So it's happening that a lot of people are going home. Uh, Brother Halverson, 
when he passed away just before, Brother Hagin gave a prophecy about this, how when God calls them home, it's for promotion, it's for them to work on that side of the veil, all kinds of things. So that's Tim Henderson. Now, Tim, oh, my goodness, I love that man. He goes winning the lost. He is something else after the lost. And um, just a happy, joyful face. I wish I had his little face to show you. But um, he has this lady, and what's her name? I've got to get this big enough to read. Okay, got it. Her name is Vonda Allen. And Vonda is in the nursing home, and she and her husband uh, pastored for 55 years. And when it came COVID, and, and she, the, he has a Sunday night service, which is always Holy Ghost service. And he goes and gets Vonda from the nursing home and brings her, on, and she's a prophetess. Well, they told him, you're not getting her out of here because COVID. You know what he did? He marched into that nursing home. He told those people, we have a Sunday night service. She's a prophetess, and we can't go without her. And I'm going to find her in here, and I'm going to take her out. And he has done it every Sunday night. Now, she gave this prophecy on, the 20, on, on September 12th. In his service Sunday night. You think I have been quiet and not doing it? But I am the Lord God Almighty. And I have a schedule. And I will come forth with power and anointing. And you will be surprised in the presence of men how they are going to see my presence and my glory in the earth today. For I, the Lord God, can change anything in the twinkling of an eye. And I can turn the things that are halting your government from being fruitful. I can change that. I can cause men's hearts to melt. And I am a doer. I am a doer of my word. Remember, I am a doer of my word. And know my word. And trust in my word. For I change not. And I am the God of power and might. And I am coming soon. Be prepared because I am coming soon. I love my bride. I will push strength and boldness. And the glory of the Lord will be seen upon my bride as she moves in boldness. You can be bold and genuine. Be bold. Be bold. And talk about me. For I, the Lord God, love you truly. Changes are here. Know that I have everything under control. And when you see these changes, you are called to prayer. For as you pray, I will root out and I will move mightily. You shall start seeing miracles that you hoped for. And you will see me declare my lordship over the lordship of Satan. The United States still belongs to me. I am calling you to pray, seek my face, and learn to be bold. For that's how the glory flows when you learn to be bold. I leave you with that.